1: You're listening to the JC and Morgan podcast presented by BP Skinner Clothiers. Folks, if you want to make sure that you look your very best, don't settle for the department store down the street. Or you're getting something off the rack that is lesser quality and you're dealing with salespeople that sometimes, let's face it, can be a little bit pushy. Get a guy whose sole goal is to make sure you look your very best and he goes out of his way to do so. When I say out of his way, I mean he's coming to you. No matter where you're listening to us on this podcast, Brent Skinner. A BP Skinner Clothiers will come on out. You book an appointment on the website, bpskinnerclothiers.com. He will have a consultation with you. He'll bring the samples of some of the most luxurious fabrics from the finest mills in Europe for you to look through as they begin to design your custom garment. After that, it's a few weeks and you are done. It's mailed to you at your door, and you're ready to go. You, like me, and so many others that Brent has worked with, will notice the difference in how you look and how you feel, and the price is right. Again, go to the website, bpskinnerclothiers.com, set up an appointment with Brent Skinner. He'll come to you no matter where you are in the country, and you will begin to look your very best.
0: And now for an inside look at college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and Morgan. Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert.
1: Coming to you from the Mecca of college football, Atlanta, G.A., it is the J.C. and Morgan podcast alongside J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports. I am Mike Morgan of ESPN and the SEC Network. And we've got a lot to talk about again here on another busy weekend of college football. JC, I I try sometimes, uh, well, let's let's start with this. How are you doing? How are things?
0: I'm good. You you know, I want to say this about college football so far this season. I I think that the, the first week of the season, the schedule, you know, has been really good in previous years, wasn't this year. Um, weeks two, three, and four are usually kind of so, so I- I'm waiting for that big weekend. You know, I was on the radio in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, like I am every Wednesday morning um, today, and they were talking about that. and I was like, yeah, you know, it just hadn't been, you know, we hadn't had like a big weekend, you know yet. And so I'm kind of waiting for that, you know yeah. maybe maybe this weekend's kind of big yeah. hey, We're in week five, but maybe October I- brings that to us.
1: I hope so. I, I don't think you're going to fall in love with this weekend. Just looking <laughs> at the slate of games, I I don't think it's a banner slate, to be honest with you. There's some meaningful games for teams that uh, are fighting for their lives, and that's really become the story to me in college football. It's less about the top because the top is so predictable and anticlimactic. Uh, it's more about the bottom and the middle. It, that's those are the major storylines the way i look at it. it it's what's going on in the middle and i go back to the this is a morganism if you will uh my theory the 1550 theory remember that jc the 1550 theory in other words there ain't a whole lot of difference between that team with the number 15 beside its name and the number 50 that's ranked in some random poll that actually goes one through 50 or one through 130, which is how many FBS schools we have. There's just not. And so when SMU wins a TCU, is it a surprise? Yes. Is it shocking? When Pitt beats UCF, is it a surprise? Yes. Is it shocking? No. Uh, To me, a lot of these results serve as another reminder that there's just not that much difference. So you've got the same six teams at the top, and you've got a couple that are trying to fight to get in there. Uh, but I, I, West Virginia beats Kansas by five after getting blown out by Ole Miss and after Kansas wins at Boston College. Virginia, Virginia struggles to beat Old Dominion. UCLA beats Washington State in a game for the ages, unless you <laughs> care about defense at all. Uh, just you know, just as we're falling in love with Mike Leach's team, they lose to UCLA. Southern Cal beats Utah, who might as well be ranked 15th. Um, and, and which, by the way, Pac-12. Good luck. I, I think, once again, you're going to be watching the playoff on TV. So, I mean, I'm not surprised by these things anymore. So, for a sport where we love upsets, right, we love just everything to be topsy-turvy and turned upside down, and uh, we just we relish those, those Saturdays that you were kind of alluding to, Especially in the absence of like true top ten match, like LSU Alabama can't come soon enough. Mm-hmm. Games like that cannot come soon enough. But we're going to be waiting a while for that. Um, so you look for the upsets, but then you say, just because they're top twenty five doesn't mean they're good. Again, that's the fifteen fifty theory to me. The other thing I look at when I see this: have you ever see the movie War Games? Have I seen the movie War Games? Who are you talking to? (laughs) Well, I was a kid. I got a couple years on you, and I was very young when that movie came out, so I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if you saw it. Have you seen the Black Hole? Oh gosh! Also, when I was a kid, I remember nothing about that movie.
0: If you've seen the Black Hole, I've definitely seen War Games. War Games was Matthew Broderick was in it, and it was kind of like the premise for Terminator, but different. Yeah, War Games was ahead of its time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thermo-global Th- nuclear war. Right, right. Yeah. The Whopper. Remember the Whopper? Yes. The big, big computer, W-O-P-R. So for those that don't know, uh, you know, because here you and I are, two guys uh, past the tender age of 40 now, and we I know we have a lot of people that subscribe to our podcast. It might be in their 20s, 30s. Now, I, even when I was a 10-year-old kid, I was watching movies that were made before I was born. But again, I was strange. I... I <laughs> I preferred that and a ton of football uh, over cartoons and comic books, but that's just me. So War Games was a 1983 film, as you mentioned, a young Matthew Broderick, the star, a young Ally Sheedy. Remember when Ali Sheedy was kind of a mini heartthrob? Ah, uh, yeah. That you the Breakfast Club, and then I, I don't know what happened to Ally Sheedy. Uh, Dabney Coleman, who was always competing with Martin Mole, who was like the the biggest D-bag of 1980s film. Um, and so the premise was, and we kind of laugh at this now, but it's this kid who's like he's like a computer nerd, and he has the ability to like hack in the school computer and change his grades, and he's just goofing off. And then all of a sudden he somehow breaks into the national security uh, uh, the computer mainframe and and NORAD and and he's 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 on the, the verge of launching missiles and starting World War III <laughs> and, and the one thing I remember about that movie above and beyond the rather simplistic uh, plot is that. It brought a terminology that I still use to this day. Do you remember the, the neon sign it had five squares and it was Defcon 5, 4, 3, 2, one?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: one Defcon 5 is where you want to be as America. Defcon 5 means we're safe. There's no uh, immediate threat of anybody wanting to uh, shoot a missile our way, or there's no submarine that's getting too close to comfort or a plane flying. We're DEFCON 5. Everybody's sleeping well, uh, and our military feels good about it. DEFCON 4, eh, there's a subtle threat here and there, but we, we got it under control. DEFCON 3... People start doubling up on the coffee. Okay, now we're, we've got some things we got to take care of. And then when you go all the way down to DEFCON 1, that's when you're, you're getting ready to launch the missile codes, and uh, God help us all, it could be the end of civilization. So I made this analogy with college football with some teams after what I saw this weekend. So I'll start with DEFCON 5. It's the same six teams. Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia, LSU, Yawn. Georgia did get tested by Notre Dame. Give Notre Dame credit. Give Coach Kelly credit. They came to play. They made a game of it. A lot of people were talking about Notre Dame <clears throat> as if they didn't belong to be on the same field. Uh, and, and I think part of that's justified because every time they play a... A a top five, top ten program, they get embarrassed, especially in the postseason. Well, they didn't embarrass themselves at all. Uh, DEFCON 4, Wisconsin, huge win over Michigan. Auburn continuing to pick up quality wins. They're they're in my DEFCON 4. Now we start getting a little dicey. Mm -hmm. DEFCON 3, Kentucky without Terry Wilson, two tough losses, and starting to wonder if with a backup quarterback not spiral out of control but certainly it could be with that schedule left it could be a little bit of a rough ride uh defcon two Ole miss same thing I, you know granted the referees kind of helped at the end of that one pack 12 officials come on really you're <laughs> not gonna you're not gonna replay that play it's only this freaking game on the line um that's embarrassing. Uh, I would put South Carolina on DEFCON 2 with, uh, of course, you know, I I called that game was out there in Columbia, Missouri. I thought it'd be closer than it was. Ryan Holinsky clearly was bothered by an elbow injury. But that being said, they were dominated in the line of scrimmage. Uh, There was not to like about the performance by the Gamecocks, and they've got a big one coming up against Kentucky. Those two teams could flip-flop DEFCON 2, DEFCON 3, depending on the result of that. Uh, and I'm going to put Michigan in DEFCON 2. And some people would say, well, why not DEFCON 1? Well, because they're still winning a lot of games. They're just not winning the games that Michigan fans demand that Jim Harbaugh does, and we'll talk more about that later on. And then there's DEFCON (laughs) 1. Arkansas. Mm. You know, we were promoting this game as our game was going on at 4 o'clock Eastern time, and this was the Saturday night primetime game, Arkansas-San Jose State. And I'm sure a lot of people raised an eyebrow and said, Really? Arkansas-San Jose State? I mean, San Jose State, are they even FPS? Well, they are. They play out there in the Mountain West, and uh, they're not very good. In fact, they haven't been very good in a long time. In fact, in the last 12 years against Power 5 schools, 0-24. They were 21-point underdogs, give or take, against a bad Arkansas team. That's how bad San Jose State is. They go in there, and they win the game. And there was nothing flukish about it. They just won the game. They just beat them. Uh, So much for Nick Starkle being the answer. He throws five picks. Mm. And also on DEFCON 1... And I, gosh, I, sometimes I feel like JC, we'd spend too much time on this one program. But they are fascinating. Good old Rocky Top is never boring. <laughs> Tennessee loses by 31 points to a Florida team that, quite frankly, again, I know they're top 10 te- uh, technically, uh, and they don't quite fall into my 1550 theory because of that. However, I don't think that's a great Florida team. Tennessee should be competitive against a team like that in a game like that. And they simply weren't. They lose by 31 points. This is now in, in Jeremy Pruitt's one and a half seasons as head coach, the seventh time they have lost by 24 points or more. Think about that. Seven times in a year and a half they've gone to the woodshed. Now, I know they're completely overmatched last year. They had no line. They still look really undersized on the line of scrimmage. They get beat up. But some of that still, that is not a team that is completely devoid of talent. Uh, that, that's an issue. Uh, David Ubb our our uh, cohort over there at The Athletic used to cover the Big 12. He, he wrote a column today It said, if, if the losing at Tennessee feels worse than ever, this is the headline, uh, and the headlines have been noteworthy, especially in South Carolina. Mm. If the losing at Tennessee feels worse than ever, it's because it is. Now, that's a headline that grabs you right by the you know what mm. and says, let me read this sucker. They might go to a true freshman over a junior in Garantano. I don't know what they're going to do over there. And here's the thing, too. Um, and I'll finish with this, and I'm sorry, I've, I've been long-winded, J.C., with my war games analogy. I got excited to be able to make a 1980s movie analogy. Absolutely. Um, here's the thing. If you fire Jeremy Pruitt after two years, because there's a lot of fire, 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 fire going on right now, and I know you, you know a thing or two about that uh, with one of your many platforms, and we'll get into that later as well. You're going to get Mike Gundy another raise, so that's nice. You, you, you can add another uh, addition to Mike Gundy's house because that's what happened the last time. So I think that's what's happened to the last two or three times, right? Uh, Mike Gundy seems to be involved in the Tennessee <laughs> coaching search a lot, and he never, and he never he gets it. He never takes it, but he's more than happy to take the, uh, the raise that Oklahoma State gives him after that. You could wind up getting your sixth choice again like you did last time, and become kind of the, the, the laughing stock in the coaching search world if that happens again. Um, the whole Phil Fulmer going in the sideline, I mean, stop that nonsense. That is a cry for help if you go that route. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. But just keep that in mind. If you're ready to pull the plug on Jeremy Pruitt for two years, and this is something some other fan bases are really going to have to think about, who do you think you're getting right now? Who do you think is that can't-miss guy that really wants that particular job? So Tennessee, to me, is on DEFCON 1. I expected Arkansas to have the potential to be on DEFCON 1 this year. I actually thought Tennessee could be a bowl team. Boy, was I wrong, because they are staring 3-9, and nine, maybe 4-8 and eight, right in the face. And with that, I yield the floor to Senator Sherbert.
0: Thank you to the gentleman from Atlanta. <laughs> um, I really don't know my butt from a hole in the ground since we're impersonating senators. No, um, <laughs> I taught politics on another podcast. <laughs> but anyway, um, all right, so I agree with all your DEF CON stuff, and I definitely have some thoughts about it. Um, I You know, <laughs> I was about to play Return of the King from the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. If I had like a producer, I'd have him cue that up because I think Philip Fulmer will take over the team if things get really, really bad. Are you hungry for the usual today? or are you ready to spice things up with the new Nashville Hot Brisket from Firehouse Subs? We're kicking up our slow-smoked beef brisket with Nashville Hot Seasoning. It's topped with melted pepper jack and our sweet and tangy slaw, served piping hot on a toasted cornbread roll. Yeah, a cornbread roll. Save time. Order your new Nashville Hot Brisket on the Firehouse Subs app today. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only. Ah. Sounds crazy. It's like Major League Two, where you know Dorn comes in and says, "I got great news, guys. I've activated myself." Yeah, but on an interim basis, I could see him do it. I still think he's got the fire. You know, Mac Brown's doing it. He's the same age, still coaching. Um, I don't know if he'll be the full-time guy or not. Uh, I think that with how their job search Went last time you could justify And I, look I don't want Jeremy Pruitt to get fired I think I think He's a, he's a good coach I think in the right situation He could be successful um, I also think there's something to be said As we sort of look around At Nick Saban's Former assistants uh, you know I'm not talking about A guy like Mike Loxley who Was kind of just there a couple of years I, um, You know or a guy Like Billy Napier who worked a lot of different Places but you know the sort of the, the Saban Saban guys, you know, when you think of, say, Dooley, Muschamp, Pruitt, Kirby Smart, um, Jimbo Fisher. A lot of these guys, Mike, they have to be in really good situations. And if you look at it, you know, they haven't always been – they've been in good programs but not good situations. You know, Florida State – Obviously, it was a great situation in the ACC. He could build it quick, and and that was that. But then it kind of went back, and when he didn't have overwhelming talent there, he didn't do well. A and M, you know, I think it remains to be seen. You don't jump off the Jimbo Fisher. There's seventy five million dollars or seventy five million reasons why you don't jump off that bandwagon right now. But but I think too that you know the process works for Nick Saban because Nick Saban is the godfather of the process. Nick Saban's style of coaching works because Nick Saban goes to places, he recruits his butt off, he has overwhelming talent, and he goes out there and gets it done. It's Jimmy's and Joe's and putting them in position to win. Other places, you got to be a little more crafty. <laughs> you know, you got to kind of be crafty. Uh, I think, and uh, I don't know that Tennessee's had a coach outside of Lane Kiff- Kiffin, you know, that was kind of crafty. And I'm still not sold that Lane Kiffin. Is all that crafty on game day? Um, Tennessee's in that kind of position right now. It's not an ad right coach program comes back. It's a rebuild. It's been a rebuild for a long time, and and, and I totally understand firing Derek Dooley. I totally understand firing Butch Jones. Uh, Butch Jones, when when you listen to some of the stuff that was coming out from that program behind the scenes and kind of the culture issues they had and then you look and see some of the players he left Pruitt flat out quit at the end of last year, he he should have been fired. Derek Dooley obviously was in over his head, although he was funny to listen to in press conferences and kind of entertaining. I sort of miss him. But, <laughs> but, but you know, you just kind of look at it, and I think obviously everybody wants to be Alabama, and obviously, you know, Kirby Smart's doing a great job at Georgia where he inherited you know, quite a bit of talent, and he's just kept it going. So he that that works, but but at certain programs that are down, you know, you can't do that at a program like Florida. I don't think you could do that because that's not really in Florida's DNA. Florida's DNA is high flying, creative offensive teams that you know, yeah, they've got speed and talent and players all over the field, but they also out scheme you. When Florida's one big, they've out schemed people. Ron Zook didn't work at Florida. Tron Zook didn't outscheme anybody, you know. Same with Will Muschamp, and and same with Jim McElwain. <laughs> but you know, I think Dan Mullen. You mentioned him earlier. You know, he. I don't think he has nearly the team he will have. But hey, he's pulled some games out of his butt because he outcoaches people. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe you go a different direction than somewhere on the saving coaching tree next time around. Of course, you don't want to look like an idiot. And miss the next big thing, <laughs> you know, because of that. But, um, you know, that that's just something I've noticed uh, with regards well, to Tennessee. There, there's something to be said
1: about what you're describing, and that is it's a heck of a lot easier to shine and look brilliant when you're the coordinator for the greatest college football coach that college football has seen uh, with the greatest collection of talent, more often than not it's a lot easier to shine in those situations than to go to what has now become a difficult job in Tennessee, Tennessee, South Carolina, Arkansas. These are difficult jobs. And so if you're used to just lining them up on Saturday and coming up with a playbook where you've got superior talent, 11 out of the 12 weeks on the schedule and sometimes 12 out of 12, be ready to have to change things, to use your word, be creative. And you don't have to be that creative when you're a coordinator for Alabama. You just don't. It's a different setup. So I, I think there's a lot to what you're saying there. It doesn't mean these guys are they're not good coaches, but they haven't been forced in that situation, most most hot coordinators that wind up becoming head coaches at major schools were successful at really elite programming. I mean, look at Will Muschamp, right? Look at I mean LSU and Texas. Look at Jeremy Pruitt. Last time we saw him, he's won a national title at Alabama. Florida State is Florida well. State. Yeah, I mean when you when you do this uh, as a coordinator at at all these spots that are just loaded with talent and great coaches, it's going to help. Doesn't mean it's, you're not a good coach, could be a great coach. But when you get the head coach of these kind of rebuild situations and all three jobs I just described were rebuilds, man, it takes a special, special coach to go in there and turn it around and truly take it to the next level. It rarely happens, and it really rarely happens quickly. So I, I, I see a whole lot of angst in the air, uh, and I don't see definite solutions. It's real easy to just f- speed on over to your local message board and say, fire this guy and fire that guy, without a true, full-fledged solution. And I always say this for people that want to be critical of a hire, uh if you were the AD at that specific point in time, I mean, really challenge yourself as a fan, okay? Have, make a game out of it. If you like a challenge, you know, you feel like you're – We all. I mean, I, I love playing fantasy football, and part of that is it lets us pretend like we're a GM. So it, we can flex our, our intellectual muscle that way without the repercussions of having to worry about being fired and whatnot. Go ahead and challenge yourself to look at, for example, those three jobs I mentioned and ask yourself, if you were the AD at Arkansas, Tennessee and South Carolina, who would you have hired that was actually available and that would have taken the job and tell me where they went wrong and how they would have made it right And that's with the benefit of 2020 hindsight, mind you Tell me what, what they could have done
0: Yeah, look, I don't, I, you know, Chad Morris Has gotten beaten at home by San Jose State And lost to uh, North Texas at home And obviously the Hog fans aren't happy But I kind of look and, you know, see what he, you know That SMU team you mentioned the BTCU. It's coached by Sonny Dykes Who basically, you know, coaches the same way Chad Morris does But Chad Morris recruited a lot of those players and SMU was in the dungeon when he got there. Bad. He even beat the mighty Tom Herman um, in Houston at one point. Um, so so I didn't think, you know, at the time with Arkansas, I thought it would be Chad Morris or Mike Norvell. I thought those were the Mike Norvell's from Arkansas. I mean, look, I know the dream was to bring Gus home and, you know, by golly, Auburn's going to have one of those Auburn years <laughs> where they're really good again, and so that dream's going to have to wait. But um, I, I thought that those were the two guys, and honestly, that's uh, that's what they did. You know, South Carolina, I was adamant that Will Muschamp, with an improved philosophy on offense, which I think is debatable whether or not that's really true, but that's what I was told by a lot of people who would know. Um, and his recruiting ability, given the shape the roster was in, after, you, you know, you, you couldn't get Tom Herman, and then Kirby Smart, you know, Georgia opens. South Carolina was getting Kirby Smart which I don't know that his results would have been that much better than Must Muschamp's because it's right. still a rebuilding job. But, you know, South Carolina, Kirby Smart was coming to South Carolina and Georgia opened and he would be a blithering idiot to take a rebuilding job at South Carolina rather than go to his alma mater and inherit a team that had a lot of really good players on it already mm-hmm. and a top three recruiting class that Rick had put together That was already in place. I mean, Mm -hmm. you'd be a blithering moron not to do that. (laughs) And and so you get down the list and, you know, Will Muschamp is a guy that you can kind of look and say, well, you know, he's we were going to hire Kirby, but Muschamp's a lot like Kirby. He's got four years at Florida. Florida sometimes can be a toxic situation, you know, for certain coaches. um, He knows the SEC. We need a recruiter. We need a guy that can get this turned fast. You know, so let's go. Let's go hire him. So, so now, you know, I'm I thinking the the problem with the Will Muschamp situation is he's got his best team now, and 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 they look like they they aren't well coached. All of a sudden, his first team, which was you know very low on the talent spectrum, actually looked pretty well coached and, and disciplined. Now, you know, I don't know what they're doing on offense, and it's a dumpster fire as far as game days. He does everything right six days a week. Um, at Tennessee The final two guys were Jeremy Pruitt And Kevin Steele Now look he, I thought the athletic director at Tennessee John Curry deserved to be fired Because he completely botched the search And I've never really thought he was all that You know sw- Good of an AD Didn't he know? want Mike Leach though? Well, before that <laughs> before that, He tried to, to hire a little guy named Dave Doran Right Doran turned it down, which was bad um, you know, he tried to hire Jeff Braum and look, I, I love Jeff Braum's games where Purdue plays really good, but you look at Purdue, they have some really great wins the last couple of years and some really bad losses. Mm-hmm. And you're going to hand the keys to Tennessee to that guy. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. You try to go get leech. I think, I, I don't think that was a move of desperation. I think that was something that was out of the box that probably could have saved John Curry's job and you know saved Tennessee football because at least it would be interesting. You know, Jeremy Pruitt is a hard worker and a good guy, and and a guy that you know I I, I would be sad to see him get fired because I would think it, I think in the right circumstance he could be an excellent head coach. But you, but you, you don't bring a guy in there that's you know yeah you know, we just want to run the ball and. Uh, you know, we're just gonna work really hard, and you know, uh, you know, and then it's it's like Fort Knox with information and saving. It's the saving philosophy, and, and you don't do that. I mean, because you, you've got to get excitement. At least Mike Leach's press conferences would have been outstanding, right? You know, and, and, and people would get excited again.
1: And he's a revolutionary offensive mind. Sure, um, you could make the you could make the case the closest thing to that that we have now is Lincoln Riley uh who every NFL team is going to going to clamor for here pretty soon. Yeah. But if, but if I threw Jeremy Pruitt uh Will Muschamp and uh Kirby Smart three highly acclaimed defensive coordinators before they got head coaching jobs. And if I threw them in a hat we played a little game and where we could go back in time and all of a sudden kind of play a shell game. And now all of a sudden, Kirby Smart is at South Carolina. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt is at Georgia. And Will Muschamp's at Arkansas. How much different would the win-loss total for those three programs really be? Mm, I none. I, I don't think it'd be much at all. Mm -hmm. For those that want to think Will and Jeremy are idiots and Kirby is this genius, boy, I'd love to put it to the test and have Kirby take one of those other jobs. And I like Kirby Smart, so I'm not slamming Kirby Smart at all. Um, And for those that think, uh, you know, Kirby is brilliant, (laughs) I'd love to see uh, what he would do at tennessee right about now Uh, i and and kirby you know his first year there was some time he lost a couple games on time management lost to georgia tech lost to vanderbilt Uh, it it wasn't perfect it wasn't all just ice cream and pizza (laughs) over there in athens Mm -mm. there are a lot there are a lot of people that questioned kirby smart but he inherited an incredible situation at a volcano program that's bound to erupt again um. When I say erupt, I mean, again, Georgia's not winning a ton of national championships, but there's so many inherent advantages that program has that unless you hire Ray Golf again, Georgia's going to be really good for a long time. So I, I, I just I can't help but think of this stuff when I hear uh, all the stuff going. On. I was watching a little bit of Paul Feinbaum today, and that's 90% of the show because, again, it's pretty boring to talk about how good Alabama LSU, and Georgia are. And you can talk about Auburn beating Texas A&M, and that's a nice story, but maybe we jump the gun on Texas A&M a little bit, um, some people. Uh, but So then you're, you're just obsessed with the quote-unquote dumpster fires or potential dumpster fires or anywhere where there's just a whole lot of negative uh, toxicity in the air. You know, it's, it's kind of like nobody – on a reality show, nobody wants to see a happy couple. You want to see the guy that's dating a head case and having to deal with all that. Oof, I just had a flashback. Um, anyway, the, the all those things are, 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 are a situation where now that that's dominating the news. That's going to dominate the conversation of college football for much of October. We'll talk about some games at the end of this podcast that are coming up, and some will be intriguing, and most of them will be kind of ho-hum. But I look at it. Defcon One and Defcon Two have become fascinating this year, uh, and I don't wish this on anybody. I, I don't, I don't want any of these guys to fail, but somebody has to finish in last, and somebody has to finish in sixth place in the SEC's Eastern Division. Uh, that's just the way it is.
0: Uh, I'm still having flashbacks of, um, yeah, kind of like you did there. <laughs> Um, that's a whole other podcast. Thank God I'm not on a reality show sometimes, yeah, you know, yeah. or wasn't on a wasn't previously on a Maybe. reality show. How about that? Um, okay, yeah, I might write a be on a reality show. Best coach in the NFL, Mike. Oh wow! Uh, well, that's Bill Belichick. All right, 90, yeah. Belichick's assistants, eight, not really good. eighteen of them have gone on. I think I think it says eighteen have gone to on other to other jobs. One fifty-six and two twenty-seven career mark. As um, as uh, head coaches in the NFL, only one is above five hundred. That's Al Groh, who was nine and seven with the New York Jets one season.
1: <laughs>
0: Al Groh. Um, Nick Saban was fifteen and seventeen with the Dolphins. Josh McDaniels was bad. Yeah. Romeo Cornell failed Mangini <laughs> twice. You know, I mean.
1: But you know what the difference, to, and, I, and I, I love the point, and it's it it just kind of amplifies what I'm talking about. I will say this about those guys compared to what we're talking about the NF, the NFL. Uh, there's not much like everybody's got the same amount of money to spend. There's a salary floor. There's a salary cap. Uh, if you have a terrible season, you get the first draft pick every year in seven rounds. It, it it's. The system is set up to where nobody stays that good for that long and nobody stays that bad for that long. Now, obviously, there are exceptions. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are going to go down as the best that ever did it. And they also have the best front office that knows not to deal with knuckleheads and waste your time dealing with guys who are all about numbers. And they, they know how to win. But for the most part, and of course, you know at the bottom there's dumpster fires like the the Raiders and that they just can't get out of their own way. But in the, the other thirty teams or so, they're all kind of like up and down and up and down. College football, unlike the NFL, where you can truly look at any team in the NFL and say, yeah, we could win a Super Bowl in three years. It, it's it's so different. I mean, there's there's just such an advantage to. Being the head coach of Alabama versus being the head coach of Kentucky, there's a huge advantage. Of being the head coach of Georgia versus being the head coach at Arkansas, it's never going to be apples to apples. Not in this lifetime. Um, all these schools are they're building amazing facilities. You know, I take the tour when I do a game in the SEC. I see all the new, the weight room and the indoor facilities, and I, I mean, JC, they're immaculate. They are immaculate. So it's not like, it's not that they're not trying or they're not even putting money into the program, but there's just some things you can't overcome in a short amount of time and sometimes even a long amount of time. So that's why I say too, be careful what you wish for. Coaches know where the good jobs are. And coaches, they don't go to a school because the school gives them some great recruiting visit and charms the pants off them and, you know, uh, takes them to the local <laughs> strip club and uh, and buys them a great meal. And the, No, they go because they know what jobs are the quote-unquote best chance to succeed, which also goes hand-in-hand hand with the best salaries. And they find those out. And they, they seek those out. They find them. They grab them. And, and then the other, after you get all that, then it's you got to start rolling the dice on people, and trying to evaluate who's going to become a great head coach at schools that don't have tremendous success over a long period of time, or any any time even recently. It's very difficult to do. So just something to keep an eye on because we're we're at that point in the season now, and there's so many teams that are having rough starts to the year. Going to be a whole lot of hot seat talk. I thought we'd be fairly immune to it this year in the sec Mm. you know at the beginning of the year there wasn't a wasn't a ton of talk but now it's out there and will continue to be by the way speaking of which to go outside the sec uh you and i have defended jim harbaugh quite a bit on this Mm -hmm. podcast over the years i don't think you could take a guy who succeeded at multiple universities overachieved at both of them then took a team to the Super Bowl in the NFL, then goes to an elite program. Uh, This had all the makings of it It cannot fail. It's just too good to fail. And I'm not going to say it's failing, but by Michigan standards, it's pretty close. And look, losing to Wisconsin... Is nothing to be embarrassed about. In fact, I, if I was Wisconsin, I'd be a little disappointed and offended because the talk after that game wasn't, damn, Wisconsin's really good. They got a quarterback who's an actual threat now, and they got the best running back in the country, and they always maul people on the O-line. The talk was all about what's wrong with Michigan and what, what are they going to do with Jim Harbaugh. That's what everybody came away with after that game outside of the cheese state. So, uh, again, I put them on DEFCON 3, but they're getting very, very close to uh, the bottom rung of that ladder.
0: Look. I love Josh Gaddis. They, you know, he played at Wake Forest on their ACC Championship team, Durham, North Carolina guy. Really solid assistant at Vandy and Penn State. Again. Your co-offensive coordinator at Bama. Okay, Bama had a great year cuz they had Tua viola throwing to great receivers. All right. <laughs> your Jim Harbaugh. You've called plays your whole career. You're great at coaching what? Quarterbacks. Because you know what? You were a quarterback. You were a good one for years. Your answer is to hire Josh Gaddis, who's never called a play in his life to fix your offense, which has been the problem. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, and I know, you know, Gaddis gets there, – there are a lot of folks in the media that swear by him. And uh, I, I I think he's – He's a risk for a program like Michigan when you have an offensive guy, you know, that's... He's he's Jim Harbaugh. You know, the head coach should call the ball (laughs) place. You know? Um, I think Jim Harbaugh's pretty good at it. He keeps going through these coordinators. I mean, uh, that was not the answer. Maybe they were looking to go more modern, maybe more spread, that kind of thing, because of Shea Patterson. But go get a guy that's done it. If you want to do that, go get a guy that's done it. Don't listen to... The hype, you know. You're a football coach. You're smart. Um, so, I mean, you know, I, 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 it's just uh, it's just one of those things. And 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 that was a disappointing loss. Michigan could not run the football. Wisconsin obviously was running the football quite well. And by the way, you want to talk about offensive uh, creativity? This new jumbo package they have, where. I don't know if you saw it, Mike. So they line up with, like, full line of scrimmage, and they have two offensive tackles in the backfield, like double fullbacks. And these guys just roll through the middle and just wipe out the defense. And here comes Jonathan Taylor right behind them. It's the dangest thing I've ever seen. I'm like, I'm like, it's the most Wisconsin formation I've ever seen in my life. So, I've got a note down to say congratulations to Paul Christ and the Badgers because you know they didn't have such a good year last year. You know they lost to BYU at home. They sort of struggled, but they've Wisconsin's really good. Maybe we were they were a top ten team last year preseason. Maybe we were a year too early uh, for the Badgers. But um, yeah, that's the issue in Michigan, and I, I. I hope he turns it around. I still think Jim Harbaugh is a good coach, but if he doesn't, Mike, I don't think they're going to fire him. I think he's just going to go, you know, get whatever NFL job he can get and go back to the league. Uh, And can't say I blame him because people are really, really upset with him uh, at this point. So,
1: and then the question becomes: What NFL team is hot on Jim Harbaugh's trail? I mean. We're a long day. We're a long ways from that Super Bowl appearance, which, by the way, yeah, they had Colin Kaepernick, but but that team was led by a ridiculous defense, led by Pat Willis. And um, th- th- that, that was hardly the offensive dynamo that uh, people thought it would be. And I think when you look at Michigan, since Jim Harbaugh took over, it's hard to understand why they're not better on offense. It's hard to understand why they're not better with quarterback play. This was not an issue at Stanford. Now, granted, some of those years are with one Andrew Luck. Helps when you've got the top quarterback prospect in decades. Um, but I, 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 I just I can't, I can't figure it. None of these other teams or programs that are struggling honestly surprise me. Arkansas is where I thought they'd be. Uh, obviously minus the loss to San Jose State. But I, I, I thought they would, again, just be bottom of the SEC. South Carolina minus a loss to North Carolina is exactly where I thought they'd be, and that's that's assuming I thought they'd have a healthy Jake Bentley. Um, and Tennessee, obviously I didn't think, think they lose to Georgia State. But I thought they'd lose to Florida. I just thought they'd be more competitive. So nothing's that shocking. The shocking thing to me, is Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. That's the one when that hire was made. Heck, I was excited. I'm not a Michigan guy, but I that that was exciting to me. That was good for college football. Well, it hadn't been as good for Michigan as everybody thought it would be. So that's, yeah.
0: And, and, you know, that being said too, Mike, you know, two years ago they were in the playoff hunt till late and they lost that game to Iowa. You know, and last year they were in the playoff hunt until the Ohio State smacked them around, uh, 62 to whatever. Um, and and my, my prediction was he would have them in the playoff within three years. I, I thought, you know, this guy next to Nick Saban, this was before Dabo Sweeney started winning national championships. I was like, this guy's probably going to automatically be up there with Urban Meyer and Nick Saban and everybody else. But... Yeah, it just hadn't worked out that way. So that's that's shocking. I'm also shocked that Cal plays defense. But that's – <laughs> I don't think we have many Cal fans out there. But Cal has a pretty good defense. And I think they're 4-0, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe the mighty Bears are going to carry the torch for the Pac-12. Well,
1: yeah, they're the only undefeated team left. Um, I i don't think anybody believes, including you or me, that they're going to continue. I, I think the Pac-12's best hope, and maybe only hope, is – Because while this is supposed to be a purely objective playoff committee selection process where the name of the school doesn't matter, we all know differently and we've seen differently. Now, if it's a school that clearly has a better resume than another, i.e. an undefeated team versus a one-loss team, then they can be much more objective, and name recognition will not count. Uh, they didn't put Washington in there a few years ago because Washington equals ratings. They, they put Washington in there because they had to. But if it's a tie, if it's close, a one-loss Southern Cal is the only chance you got if you're the Pac-12. You need, you need Southern Cal to run the table, look good doing it, become America's darling again, and that's, that's to me, the only hope. And I don't think they're good enough to run the table. So, again, that's why I say the Pac-12 is going to be out, and it seems like we are destined, uh, and we can pretty much close the book on Notre Dame, it seems like we are destined to have at least two SCC teams this year.
0: I, I think it's certainly looking that way because the rest of the ACC is bad. You know, I think Ohio State, but but you know Wisconsin's intriguing. I'm gonna tell you that right now. I don't. Um, I need to kind of look up and see if they play each other in the regular season because I don't know this. Um, yes, they do on the 26th of October. Uh, Wisconsin goes to Columbus, so that'll be a big one. Then maybe they rematch. But you know the Big Ten looks like a you know a one team playoff deal at best. There, there's nobody in the ACC except Clemson. I mean, Wake Forest may literally be the number two team in that league, uh, <laughs> along along with Virginia. Who, you know, I think Virginia went two and ten in Mendenhall's first year. Uh, so, <laughs> hats off to him. But, um, you know, the Pac-12 no, now the Big Twelve is interesting with Oklahoma. You know, honestly, Mike, we may end up with like the same. We, we may end up with Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, and Oklahoma. Yet again.
1: Uh, which would surprise none of us.
0: Nobody at all.
1: Yeah, talking. <laughs> we've been talking about this the entire offseason. As, so, you know, as much as we want to shake up. Yeah.
0: I, 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 coming. I think Ohio State, you know, they haven't played a whole lot of what I would call great teams so far. But they've been pretty impressive, you know. Justin Fields is playing well for them. They can score, unlike Michigan. So, um, I, I think it's going to be a... Uh, an interesting thing. And um, quite frankly, yeah, you're right. At the, the top, I'm tired of talking about, you know. Uh, and, oh, but and I want to say one thing about the top, though. People that are out there criticizing Kirby Smart for kicking that late field goal, come on, man. I, I I don't know where that's coming from, but he did what he had to do to win the football game. He won the football game. You know, there are no super teams in college football, except maybe when you're watching Clemson play certain teams on their schedule. But, but they're, they're, they're in Alabama as well. Well, those still aren't super teams. They can lose games. Um, Georgia's not a super team. I, I don't care what you're reading, uh, you know, places and stuff, and, and, and I think they're recruiting great and have a lot of talent. But, hey, just be thankful you won, and your stadium looked great. And, and quite frankly, you know, I think that with that environment, you're going to probably pull a few more of those five-star guys that you like and and you're going to get there, but be happy you won. Cause you could have lost <laughs> yep. and Kirby, Kirby did a good job in that game coach. And so, you know, uh, are there concerns? Yeah. But I told you, I told everybody, Notre Dame, sometimes during the regular season, they'll go on the road and they're Notre Dame and they play like it. Um, and that's what happened Saturday night. So you know, but yeah, the nope. middle—the middle, though, Mike mm-hmm. is just so much more intriguing. It, it literally turned my stomach a little bit to say Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State. Yeah, and, it's it's boring. Nothing against those teams, and those oh. <laughs> those, those will be great games. Oh, but. <laughs> See, I'm getting choked up getting about choked it. Getting choked up about the but, complacency of the top
1: college football. Yeah, and, uh, and, and I for, think
0: the, the intriguing thing in, in the middle is because we have all this churn and we have all this – a few years ago you looked around and, and LSU hired Ed Orgeron, South Carolina hired Will Muschamp. Those are not guys that were on the top lists of, of people that, you know, schools need to hire or are trying to hire. Like they they weren't on the top five head co- hot coaching commodities list. Um you know, you, you got the Jeremy Pruitt thing at Tennessee. I, I think for a long time, you know, the, the safe move, and frankly, I don't think hiring Orgeron or Muschamp would be what I call safe. It's very risky. But the default move for a lot of folks has been, hey, you know, let's just go hire this guy that worked for the guy. And take our chances because it's working for them. And hey, it's working at Georgia right now like a charm. But that guy's also at his alma mater, and he also was an assistant for ten years. And's been, you know, inherited a great situation for Mark Rick. Uh, That's and, the biggest b- thing, and build on it. Yeah, you in a he si- inherited a great situation. You're in a situation now where the two best MAC coaches, and the MAC has always Mike traditionally kind of been the cradle of coaches. The two best MAC coaches in recent years have been Matt Campbell, or I'm not even going to name them, they've taken Iowa State and Minnesota. Right. So we have a situation where there haven't necessarily been the next up-and-comers. There, ha- there, isn't, there hasn't been an Urban Meyer going to Utah no. a- and being the hottest guy in the country. But I, I can see it starting to happen on the lower levels in the group of five and, and, and even in, in FCS. And I think if some of these – on this next round of hires, when it happens, one of these guys that gets one of these jobs somewhere, and it's going to have to be a job that has a chance, a volcano program, like you say, they're going to be the next guy, the next Dabo guy. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I'm not saying it's going to follow the Dabo path, because Dabo followed his own path. But there is going to be the next guy someplace, and he's going to be a heck of a coach, and he's just going to come out of nowhere, and that'll be your next Urban Meyer. I just don't think anybody's seeing it – Athletic directors aren't seeing it. I think agents kind of recycle their guys because they want to make money. I think search firms, quite frankly, are a waste of time. Um, But somebody somewhere is going to go find the next guy, and then we're all going to be sitting there talking about him in three or four years, because if not, he'll be fired. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) that's just kind of the way I feel. But, yeah, Matt Campbell being at Iowa State and P.J. Fleck being at Minnesota, Mike, that's telling, because that's usually the MAC is usually where some of these schools pull from. Mm-hmm. It hadn't been happening.
1: Well, it's a it, it's a tough sell for an SEC or an elite ACC program, which let's face it, we're limited limited numbers of options there to to tell your fan base there's this cat in the MAC <laughs> who has been winning the MAC North Division and leading his team to the Little Caesars Bowl three out of the last four years. This is the guy. Your fan base is going to be like, huh? Who? What? (laughs) Do you know who we are? We're an SEC school. Mm. We're Florida State. Uh, It's just a tough sell. And ADs typically don't like to take gambles. So those gambles wind up trickling down to that next-tier school like an Iowa State, like a Minnesota. This is interesting. This is from betonline.us. Uh, betonline.cfb, AG. whatever. Betonline. Go to Betonline. Mm-hmm. I have nothing to do with that website, but here I am plugging it. Okay. Odds... For the next coach of these three programs, Florida State, uh, by the way, congratulations, Willie Taggart pulling out a win. The man is a savant.
0: That'll be the last time he beats Scott Satterfield, in my opinion. Yeah, you, you're probably not, right. There's a guy that can coach. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I agree.
1: But, again, that's a, that was a name, and based on where he was coaching well, does that is your fan base going to be all in on that? Mm-mm. Is mo, you know, because most people, most SEC fans aren't up late at night watching Sunbelt, MAC, Mountain West. You know they're they're
0: they're not paying attention to that, but they know who the coordinators are at Alabama, uh, uh, right? Okay, yeah, I mean like now they'll sit up and watch Arkansas State. Uh, or at least folks at Ole Miss and and Auburn were, you know, because that's where yeah, yeah. Malzahn and Freeze came from. But I, right. yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it's, it's keep in mind Malzahn.
1: Malzon had that Lincoln Riley vibe about, like he was a revolutionary offensive mind, right? Like that was the, it wasn't how many games he won at Arkansas State. It was what well, this guy is reinventing the wheel. Yeah. That that was the sale, and the Hugh Freeze. I mean, that was not exactly. People weren't partying uh, in the in <laughs> the Grove when that hire was made. They were partying when all of a sudden they were beating out schools on five star recruits, and we know where that where that ended. Um, but anyway, so okay, odds on F- Florida State's coach in twenty twenty if it's not Willie Taggart, Southern Cal's coach in twenty twenty if it's not Clay Helton. And Michigan's head coach mm. in 2020, if it's not Jim Harbaugh, now this is so. This is not some like, you know, guy just do making a commentary piece on a website or in the newspaper. The, these are Vegas odds. The boys in the desert—they don't care. They're not biased. They don't they're not worried about hurting anybody's feelings. All they're about is Monet and mm-hmm. getting stuff right. Okay, you want to guess who the number one candidate according to bet? Online to replace Willie Taggart in 2020 would be.
0: I'm going to say Matt Campbell, but I'm not sure. He's on the top five.
1: Dino Babers, five to two odds. I can see that. Then Mike Gundy. Then <laughs> Mike Gundy. Mike Gundy's got to be in every list. Yeah, we just keep keep, keep giving him. More and more races. Pretty soon, he'll just own the entire city of Stillwater, kind of like
0: At, Ted Turner owns most of Montana. FSU's actually a job. If I'm Mike Gundy, I would consider taking. I mean, well, I would too. I think it's a great job. But yeah, go ahead. And so quite yeah. frankly, Mike Gundy looks more and more
1: aggravated every season in Stillwater. He always seemed. He went off on some reporter on a press conference for making a joke <laughs> about his mullet. I know. And and, and Mike Gundy was not laughing. Uh, Mike Gundy, Dave Clawson, third. Matt Campbell fourth, then Urban Meyer fifth, Josh Heupel, Scott Frost. That's for Florida State, okay? Uh for Southern Cal, if Clay Helton's not around. Uh, is any we all know who number 1 is, right? Urban, Urban Meyer, who oh, by the <laughs> way was doing the pregame show and was was in Southern Cal for the Fox pregame show <laughs> as as well as Reggie Bush. Hmm. So that that uh that drew some attention for sure. So Urban Meyer, one. Chris Peterson, two. James Franklin, three. David Shaw. Now, David Shaw, three years ago, I would have been like, absolutely. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a heck of a sales pitch right now. If you're telling everybody things are going to get much better with David Shaw. Mike Gundy, because we <laughs> have to. It's it's by law. And Cliff Kingsbury uh at the bottom of that list at 12 to 1. And finally Michigan. Number one on Michigan's list. David Shaw. David Shaw. I actually saw this one. I I, I didn't uh, I saw it the other day. Then Bronco Mendenhall, Kyle Whittingham. Mm. Kyle Whittingham should be on more lists than he is. Uh Dino Babers, Urban Meyer Mike Undy, because again, it's by law we have to have Mike Undy on every list, and Luke Fickle. So there you have it.
0: I think Luke Fickle's a good coach. Um, David Shaw is eighty-three and twenty-nine at Stanford. Uh, I think he'd be a solid coach at, at Michigan. Um, the administration there, I you know, I don't think they'd mind hiring him. Dino Babers at Florida State. If they gave him money to hire a staff, I think I think that could potentially work. I have – I still think – I don't want to keep saying this because Clemson fans are going to get mad at me because they think, they'll think think I'm trying to mess with their recruiting, but I'm not. I actually hear that their assistant coach, Jeff Scott, whose dad was a longtime assistant at Florida State under Bobby Bowden and who's yep. friends with Bowden, I actually think Jeff Scott could get that job. Mhm at Florida State. makes sense that's not that's not awful you there. know um yeah. he's not on the radar, but uh I mean, on the on the gambling odds there, but you know, heck, like you said, they're trying to make money <laughs> yeah, so yeah. uh you know so i think I think it's i think it's very interesting uh those lists and you know Southern Cal, I feel bad for Clay Hilton because I believe Clay Hilton's going to have a much improved year five and seven last year he's probably going to be nine and three or ten and two i'm with you i don't think they're good enough to run the table i don't think anybody in the pac-12 really is um i also think there's some good football teams in the pac-12 uh they're not juggernauts but they're good and they're like you said mike it's the 15 to 50 rule um you know they're all good enough to knock each other off now is that fair i don't know Maybe you need to expand the playoff, if you think. I'm sure Larry Scott would like that, but uh, you know, it, it's just uh, it's just another one of those years where I don't want to say mediocrity. I, I want to say there's parity in, in that in that conference right now. Um, and, and so, if Clay Helton does anything short of making the college football playoff, and you got Urban Meyer sitting there, you know, telling I guess hypothetically telling Reggie Bush, "Hey, I'd be very interested in getting back into coaching." You know, that could happen. Um, I'm curious to see what Bob Stoops does, too, because I read an interview. Do You know, he's coaching in the XFL next year Mm -hmm. or this spring um, with the Dallas franchise. But he's done some interviews where he said, "Ah, you know, I got out. You know, I knew I'd miss it and I do miss it. And then people keep asking if he's going to coach again. He's like, we'll see. You know, he's not like denying it. And Bob Stoops walked away pretty early. Um, If everybody remembers, he got the Oklahoma job when he was in his 30s. So he's still I think he's almost 58, 59 now. He's still got another 10 years left in the tank someplace. Um, And, of course, we had all the rumors. (laughs) Poor Gus Malzahn. Auburn boosters have already met with Bob Stoops. So, you know, I I think it's going to be interesting, too, when you're talking about two kind of – Giants that are on the sideline this year. But, you know, I, I'm more interested in finding out, you know, because cause we need this to call. Who's going to be the next Bob Stoops and the next Urban Meyer um, and the next Dabo and the next Nick Saban? Because there's a bunch of coaches out there right now that, you know, you just don't get excited about. I mean, look, Mike Gundy's done a great job at Oklahoma State. But it, it's just – it's just like seeing Clemson and Alabama in the playoff every year and Oklahoma seeing his name on coaching list, Mike. Mm-hmm. Same thing. I mean, I don't think he excites it. I mean, I think he's a hell of a coach. I just don't think he excites any program that needs excitement and won't until they play. Now when they play, he's got a great offense and stuff like that. But I just don't uh, – I just think that, you know, there's a lot of kind of recycling going on right now. Uh, in college football with the same old names, and, and nobody can really put their finger on, you know, who's, who's the next up-and-comer. But I guarantee you, unlike the pros that always recycle coaches, in college that guy is out there. You know, Kansas State hired a guy from, what was it, South Dakota State, South Dakota, North Dakota, wherever the, the Kleinman guy's from north dakota state north dakota state i believe yeah I, I think i got that right fcs national champion you can't tell me that they look much better than they did the last year the old man was out there you know they look great beat mississippi state you know they they are a well-coached football team well they kind of made it out of the box hire well hey here's a guy that's a really good coach nobody talks about and um so we'll see we'll see kind of who those next guys are uh moving forward i just hope that uh you know i hope mike leach gets a a job if he wants one in a major media market where you know they stream his press conferences live on television just about um every time he has one because i'm setting the dvr
1: yeah chris Kleiman, by the way did did win national titles at north dakota state uh and and that's that's where he made his name um Before we go ahead and get into this week's slate of games, I want to mention this week's slate of sponsors, number one being BP Skinner Clothiers tell you what i I just get more and more compliments uh and it's not because of anything i'm doing brilliantly it's because brent skinner is just that good at designing custom-made suits and shirts and ties and accessories uh he has made a difference for me he's made a difference for several people nationwide he'll make a difference for you in fact he'll come to your house fit you up for everything right there in your home or your office and it'll be sent to you you don't have to do anything else you don't have to go to a retail store and Deal with pushy salespeople that are telling you, oh, yeah, that looks great on you. No, it doesn't. Uh, You will have something that truly will be contoured to your body and make you look better. And again, if you mentioned you heard about it on JC and Morgan, you'll get a free custom-made shirt with any purchase of a new sports jacket or a new suit. Go ahead and check out the website, BP Skinner. S-K-I-N-N-E-R, clothiers.com, set up a free appointment. Brent will come out to see you, and you will be mighty happy with the way your wardrobe is looking from that point on. All right, as we mentioned at the top, JC, the, um, the slate of games this week, I'm looking and I'm trying to find some gems. I'm trying to find must watch tv and i'm not having a whole lot of luck i'm not seeing what i want to see i mean i am woof. i am struggling uh there is a very important game in columbia kentucky south carolina uh i i never thought that the missouri game for the gamecocks was a must win I do think Kentucky is a much closer to that distinction. You've lost five in a row to the wildcats. You've got them at home. You're coming off a tough game a week ago. That is awfully important for will Musk champion company. As you know, where things could get uh, pretty restless in a hurry. Uh, Mississippi States at Auburn, both teams looked good last week. I'm just going down the slate here. I'm trying <laughs> to find some hidden. I mean, I'm a uh, game day is going to be in Lincoln, Nebraska, the Cornhuskers are
0: a 17-point underdog at home against Ohio State. Mm, can, big crowd there, though. Big game for Well, and, and they're some of the best fans in America at Nebraska, I think. Um, big crowd. They, did, they had a uh, – look, congratulations for Illinois. They had a home primetime game. Poor Lovey Smith. I mentioned him last week. Uh, <laughs> they lost again this week, but they only lost by three to the Huskers. But big road win, and now they're coming home. You know, that Colorado game probably shook them up. But, man, don't look now, but the Buffaloes are doing some really good things under Mel Tucker. There's a former Saban assistant that's actually off to a hot start um, out there at Colorado. Of course, I didn't think McIntyre should have been fired because he, you know, he won a division two years ago and National all that. Coach of the Year. But, yeah, but, uh, I, I mean, you know, I digress. I just think that, uh, you know, that's uh, that's going to be a big game. You know, as far as Ohio State's go. All right, so, yeah, Wisconsin plays Northwestern, who's off to a bad start again. Remember, they started 1-3 and last year before they won their division, including a loss to Akron. That Texas A&M-Arkansas game, yeah, here, you know, Mike, that game's always close. Even last Mm -hmm. year, as bad as Arkansas was, it was, I think, a seven-point game. If Arkansas can find a way to win, (laughs) the $75 million man – there's going to start to be some heat, and I knew there would be the minute really big adversity started to hit out there. Um, I think Jimbo's going to be fine, but, boy, you go to two and three and you lose to a bad Arkansas team, and, you know, you don't get all – you don't get a five-year rebuild if you're making $75 million. No. <laughs> you just don't. They want to win a war right away. Yeah, so that game could be entertaining. Clipson plays at North Carolina. That one's probably gonna get ugly. Next, probably gonna get ugly. Now, Virginia Notre Dame is intriguing because yeah. I think I think the Cavaliers play a very sound brand of football. They got a senior quarterback. It's always big when you play at Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame drops that and goes to two and two. Ooh. Um, elimination game in the Pac-12. USC is at Washington. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely one of the the highlights for this weekend. I will say that
0: interesting one. Coastal Carolina at App State. <laughs> okay, I'm just being silly. Uh, <laughs> App State's been a great story. Yeah, I, yeah. Thanks. I mean, they're three and zero, and Coastal Carolina beat you know the Hat and KU twelve to seven. You know, I'm a little disappointed in CBS with their game selection here. You know, they have Alabama on almost every weekend. I think Alabama fans would have been happier had this game been a night game (laughs) at at Bryant-Denny. But Ole Miss at Alabama is the 330 CBS game, Bama minus 37 and a half. Mm. So, I mean, you know, maybe Auburn and Mississippi State would have been a better choice, I don't know. Probably a lot of them. But, yeah, I mean, the pickings are slim. NC State, Florida State. Look, I'm telling you, there's a chance for Willie Taggart to get a two-game win streak because he's going up against Dave Dorn. That's a lot of coaching uh, prowess there in that one. So, uh, yeah, uh, Matt Jeff Collins goes to Temple. (laughs) Very losable game for Tech. Yeah, you know, coming off that Citadel loss, it's tough. Kansas at T.C. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just.
1: It's a lot it, of milk know. toast matchups.
0: Kentucky, South Carolina, for those two teams, and I know we have a lot of listeners from those two teams, That's a that game is as big as it gets for Will Muschamp. I, I also think for this year's Kentucky, team, Mark Stoops is not going anywhere, but I think for this no. year's Kentucky team, you know, if they want to make some noise and kind of, you know, solidify themselves within the division, I think that's a big game for them. You know, and that would be six in a row against the South Carolina Gamecocks. So that would be – and I think Kentucky's played better football, a better brand of solid and consistent football than the Gamecocks have this year. Um, I do think the Gamecocks, if they play to their potential, are the better team. You know, Gamecocks are are our three-point favorite. But if if South Carolina loses this game, the wheels are going to come off in Columbia, and it's it's, it's not going to be pretty.
1: No, it's not. It won't be the same reaction in Kentucky because I think their fans have put it in perspective the moment Terry Wilson went down and everybody knew they weren't going to win 10 games again this year. Uh, But that's a three. That would be a three game losing streak. And, uh, you know, these things can spiral out of control in a hurry Mm -hmm. in in college football. So
0: and I uh, I got a stat for you here. that's eye opening South, South Carolina has lost six consecutive games. Against Power 5 competition. That is the longest Power 5 losing streak this program has had since 1997-99 to when Brad Scott and Lou Holtz combined to lose 19 in a row. Mm. And the losses guys have been, you know, they did lose to Alabama, Clemson, and Florida on the road during this streak. But the losses also have been to like Virginia, and North Carolina on a on a neutral field to ACC coastal teams, uh, and then the game at Missouri this past weekend. So it's it's not like it's been murderer's row there uh, for mm-hmm. the Gamecocks either. And Will Muschamp and you know it's just uh, you know that's a program that definitely needs a win right now.
1: Yeah, it'll be an intriguing game. I'll be curious to see if it's a it's a primetime game. Does the crowd show up? Do they you know? Get, little, get rid of some of the, uh, uh, I don't know what I'm calling agita. Uh, Angst. What, uh, yeah, I'm trying to find another word because we use that so often. I mean, it's a great word. Agitation, consternation. And, oh, okay. Well, Mr. Thesaurus over here, I like uh, it. Yeah, I like You it. got them all. Uh, yeah, there, I, th- there's a lot of that, and I just wonder, I, I mean, fans not showing up for a game this early in the season to me is not a great message. Uh, I don't think you really accomplish anything good by doing that, but uh, I will be curious to see how that turns out.
0: And uh, oh, I just have one more in the Big 12. We missed it. Chris Kleiman, who, by the way, went 3-7 and seven at a small college in Iowa in 05, took over North Dakota State in 2014. Since then, my man is 72-6. and six. Wow. Kansas mm. State plays at Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy. In Stillwater, Saturday night at seven, ESPN plus. I think that's going to be a heck of a game um, in the Big Twelve. And if that is a good game, if K State wins that, we need to start talking about them more because that, and also about the fact that you have a national championship level coach from FCS who's come into a job at a you know that has been good but not great and. You know, has won, and, and, and mm-hmm. his his quote is "football is football." So, right. you know, that's that's a story I think we need to keep an eye on right there. The Kansas well, State Wildcats and Chris Kleiman. It happens all the
1: time in basketball. I mean, coaches that do well, make an NCAA tournament run. We call them mid majors in, in basketball. Uh, Power five schools are not afraid to line up to give those guys jobs, but in football, we don't do it. We just oh, it's FCS. That's not really. I think that's. I think that's really short-sighted. Oh, it's FCS. Oh, it's FCS. That's that's not that's not the level of football we play here. <laughs> I I just think that's a that's a very um, uh, arcane way of looking at it, and uh, I I applaud K State's administration for going outside the box. Now you know if it fails. Then everybody tell, tells you that it was the worst hire ever, and how stupid to do it. But if it works, looks pretty doggone brilliant. I tell you who else is brilliant, JC. The people that listen to this podcast each and every week, and uh, we might have some exciting news coming down the path here uh, regarding the JC and Morgan podcast.
0: Absolutely. You know, right now you can get it on iTunes, but it's, it's called Apple Podcast now, and Apple changed to kind of the. Uh, The name of it, but it's still iTunes. If you have an iPhone, go to your podcast app and you can get it. And you can even get a notification every time me and Mike put up a new episode. Uh, You can get it on Google Play, the Stitcher app, uh, podcasting apps like Podcast Mania, SoundCloud. But we are not on things like Spotify right now. But we got – there's a strong possibility in the near future there are going to be even more ways to not only get the JC and Morgan podcast – to share it with those you love um and uh that's uh, that's all i got to say about that <laughs> it's uh you know it, it's exciting news and certainly everybody that actually listens to this podcast loves it so yeah um, I, I want to share the love more mike as i know you do mm-hmm. and uh, that's right around the corner
1: yeah, I had a couple people uh who were very anxious to to listen to it and heard good things and they said I couldn't find it on Spotify and, and me being the non Spotify person, I didn't know exactly how important that was. So that'd be huge for us and twenty-four-seven, you guys do terrific work there. It'd be great to uh be a part of that platform. So again, we thank all of you out there that listen to this. Um you know, we we, we started off as a little engine that could and we've just kind of kept growing over the years and it continues to to do that and that's again you folks deserve to take a bow on that we certainly thank you for that we are over time
0: but it was a fun time jc we'll talk to you next week all right mike uh you be good and uh hopefully we'll have you know more exciting matchups to talk about uh when we preview the following weekend on next week's episode
1: yes and i will base uh my entire podcast next week on uh war games maybe i'll throw in some other references to uh, 80s movies the the, bla- the black hole dude the black hole the black hole. <laughs> the black hole we'll get the black hole in there uh creep show uh <laughs> yes <laughs> we'll see whatever we can pull in just an excuse to make 80s references anyway for jc sherbert this is mike morgan saying so long we'll talk to you next time